So in the new position that I work in at my company, on the manager finder page that all of our clients find, you know, all of the um, employees that work for the company, I have uh, Bangla as one of my languages, right? And I did not realize how many Bengali people that would attract since the company I work for, you know, it's a global company and there are a lot of South Asian people who are on the company. So I get a lot of Bengali people trying to get in contact with me. That's and right. If if you asked me this like a couple years ago, I would have just like not wanted to put it because I just didn't feel like talking to brown people like that. But now like it's just really enlightening seeing um, everybody's faces when I start talking Bangla and when like, you know, I help them throughout the platform and all this kind of stuff. And it makes me feel like how, how you felt with that one Bengali kid that, you know, like he never saw somebody in school that was brown, you know, to look up to. So it's just like a really nice feeling. And all in all, I'm proud. I'm proud to be brown. That makes me happy. Oh, my God. I'm proud. Proud like to be one? brown. You like that one? Hashtag proud to be brown. You like that one? Brown and Put proud. Put that on a shirt. Brown and proud. Gold and bold. <laughs> Stop. I actually, that those gonna, are actual that podcast gonna, That was going to be the name of our podcast. What else do we have? We had... No, one of the names is actually my collection name. <laughs> Welcome back to our podcast, Difficult Dish. A podcast about um, explaining different South Asian narratives. My name is Mashnoon. I am Hua. We're going to be talking about some of the sacrifices that we have had to make for our families, you know, having to put our dreams on pause, some life aspirations that we've always had in order to, you know, everybody's situation is different, whether it's tending for our family's needs, maybe not being uh, financially prepared for these endeavors, whatever it may be, or, or it might just be your parents are not letting you, you know, be, be free and have that freedom. This is a topic that I kind of thought about, you know, we put it on our Instagram if you guys either wanted us to talk about this particular topic or if you wanted a little advice session that we yeah. might be doing next week or something, we'll see. We will be doing it next week I because guess. that was also uh, a hot topic. All right. And um, <laughs> so next week we'll be doing our advice session, but uh, but back on to this topic. I primarily want to speak about it because of a conversation that you and I actually had. It's what made me think about it. Um, really? We, we had it, I don't know, like a couple of days ago, and I was talking to you how, what's it called? I told you that I wanted to get my MBA one day. You know, I never thought about it any like further than that. I was just always like, oh, it might be like a good idea because I used to work at a coffee shop where my manager had an MBA. And he he knew about my experience in school and he knew that I hated undergrad, but and he hated undergrad as well. But he told me how much he enjoyed um, getting his master's degree and he knew how yeah, much. I that... agree. I love I love my master's in comparison to my undergrad classes. It's so much more like practical. Yeah. I and, and my best friend now, like he's getting his master's right now. And he says he's learning so much more than he, you know, 10 times more than he did in undergrad. Like he's getting his master's in like digital marketing. And um, yeah, he, he's learning a shit ton. And um, so I've always had the idea of getting my MBA, but then I was always like, oh, like, you know, there's like, where am I going to get it? Like, is there any point in getting it other than just saying I have an MBA? And um, you told me that, you know, you, you know, I want to move to New York City and you know that my dream school has always been FIT and I didn't get the opportunity to go there when I was younger due to, you know, reasons we'll get into, but 
you know, you brought up the idea of getting my MBA at FIT and it's just been stuck in my head ever since you said it. And it just made me think about how much I love that school. And even though I hate school in general, it's I love that school so much. Like I used to take um, just solo trips to New York when I was like 18, 19 years old. Like I would save up my money from working at Barnes and Noble and just buy like a really cheap flight. Like on Spirit, I would just bring a backpack and it would be like during like the late fall winter time where I wouldn't even have you know, a ro- any room in my backpack for an additional jacket. Like, I would just wear the one jacket onto the plane. I would just wear that for three to four days. And I would stay with one of my uncles who stayed in the Bronx, mad far from the city anywhere. And um, I would just spend, like, the whole day just touring FIT. I remember I met one of my, like, fashion icons there on campus. And, like, I talked to him for a little bit. And, and so, yeah, so I've always loved the school. And um, I didn't get the opportunity to attend that school due to many reasons that I'll get into or whatever. But essentially, that's why I thought of it. I thought it would be something cool that we could talk about. And I feel like it's something that a lot of people can relate to, you know, making sacrifices for our parents, Mm -hmm. having to put our own um, dreams on hold. And also, um, you know, I have the word patience tattooed on my thigh because it's something that I've had to practice my whole life very strictly and very repetitively because a lot of my life has been you know, just just waiting and just holding on until A, B, and C works out in my favor and and all that stuff. So, so yeah. I didn't even realize that our small conversation of me just planting that idea into your head had, like, such a big impact on everything. But, yeah, I remember telling him that um, he should check out FIT for his master's, his MBA, because it's, like, a dream that he's always had and he might as well try fulfilling it still because, you know, you still have so much time left and you don't have to just go to FIT for undergrad. And if he's coming to New York anyway, yeah, you might as well. You might see Mushnoon at a little FIT campus Imagine. coffee shop. Because, like, you know, like, growing up, I didn't, I don't think about school like that, you know, through right. high school, through, you know, I went to community college after high school because I didn't get accepted into the University of Central Florida because my... You know, my standings were incredibly low. I literally didn't even get accepted. But it's crazy because, like, a lot of people that go out of state or go attend big, big shot colleges, their family usually have a lot of money or Mm -hmm. they get a shit ton of financial aid or they just don't have, like, the burden that you and I had. And it's just a little bit easier for them to make that jump. Whereas you had a lot of factors and... Those were some of those reasons, you know? It's crazy how, like, you know, even for a lot of the after-school programs, like the after-school tutoring, all the clubs and stuff, I could rarely even stay because I never had a ride. Like, my, my parents shared a car, and they worked um, at their store, and I and my sister was out, out um, living at UCF um, attending the school. So, majority of the time, I never had a ride to stay after school. I'm not going to sit here and blame any of my challenges that I've been through like all my parents or whatever but but yeah you know like a, a lot of families get or a lot of kids in families get a, um many opportunities that they don't even recognize like how privileged they are in having mm-hmm. a ride from school you know something as simple as that like having right. you know just ha- having like lunch money having like money t- to buy something after school like I, I never had anything right. like that like I remember my my high school after school they sold chick-fil-a sandwiches like in they called it the bear's den um in like near near the bus stop and the chick-fil-a sandwiches were like four dollars and 
I always wanted to get one. I just never had $4. And sometimes I would save up and I would get it and I would eat it on the bus and I would feel so happy. So yeah, there there are a lot of a lot of sacrifices that we have to make, you know, for for our parents. I think it's crazy how um, you're the boy in the family, and you're also the youngest out of, you know, just your older sister. So of two, it's usually like the girls and usually the oldest that experience what you have experienced. You know, holding back on opportunities because. From my experience, like the boy is usually the one that's allowed to do more because right. of like friggin' sexism, whatever, you right. know? So it's very interesting. I think one of the biggest reasons why we bonded in the beginning of when we first met was because of how similar our experiences were, regardless of our gender. Right. You know, I feel like my story is a little bit different than like the typical brown family because you know, I have a sister and, and she's the older sister and um, I'm the younger sibling and I'm the guy. And it would just make sense that she was the one to take a lot of hits growing up. She was the one to um, face a lot of the challenges in order for my life to succeed. However, you know, I'm not going to say it was like zero versus 100 or anything. Like, obviously, we both been through stuff, whatever. But ultimately, I feel like my life was a bit different than the average younger sibling male in a brown family because you know she had the opportunity to move to to college while I had to stay home while my family was going through issues and and yeah so we we definitely have a lot to relate to and I you know I always just hated that it was a thing for you know to to make fun of like the brown guy who was like the younger sibling saying that he gets everything even though I get it right it's the majority it's it's what happens most of the time but, you know, it it drowns out the kind of stuff that the kids like me go through. And, and I know some more kids like me, you know, like one of my good friends growing up was pretty much going through the same shit. So, yeah, I think I have a very similar situation to you. Um, but, you know, reverse as in I'm the oldest and I have a younger brother and I'm the um, girl in the family. Right. So for me, I feel like it makes sense. And there's a lot of incidences like mine because incidences incidents incidences incidents 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 <laughs> incidents a lot of instances there uh, it is. uh-huh wow you get me you get wow. me wow there's a lot of Crazy. um instant instances like mine <laughs> English degree. if you if you all know i am not good at pronouncing words i actually make my students pronounce my words for me when i don't know myself just as a test for them but really they're actually pronouncing it for me um you remember anyway. you remember when that kid asked you to define grammar right <laughs> forgot that sorry sorry so i'm the oldest and it makes sense for me because a lot of girls go through the similar thing where the boy is given more and the girls are expected to to have a more of like a traditional role for me, I was actually supposed to transfer to a school upstate. It was about eight hours away from the school that I'm at right now. So I go to school in the city. So this new school that I was supposed to transfer to was eight hours away. And my parents were surprisingly on board. You know, they, we visited the campus. We toured it. We liked the place. It was a good place for education. And they were on board. Finally, we had to end. We they ended up not letting me go because... It was a financial burden because I wasn't getting full financial support with um, 
housing, mm. which is fine because they were in a tougher spot back then. But looking back at it now, my brother has been allowed to dorm since he's he has been 18. And there has never been any problem with money for him. And he, like, without even, like, looking twice, he's allowed to have his own house. He's allowed to live so far away. He has all these opportunities that I literally have never had before. And it makes me think, like, yeah, maybe money was an issue back then, Why? which is why I probably couldn't go to that school. But I think the biggest issue was that they needed the oldest daughter to be at home to kind of take care of the parents and to kind of do everything. They didn't trust me going out by myself because I'm a girl. Mm -hmm. And there was just more pressure on me to like literally friggin' do my duties, you know? Which is really frustrating to see your younger brother literally have everything that you've wanted. And that's just like one example of something that I've I've gone through. And um, yeah, it, it really made me really upset and like made me really angry towards my parents and my brother for yeah. getting that type of treatment. Um, but I'm a little bit better now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think it's really crazy how, you know, that exact scenario was completely different for the both of us. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. different, but like the same thing, you know, you and I have gone through the same thing where, where we've had to hold back with our families while our siblings were able to go to college, even though our parents weren't the most financially stable. They made that sacrifice for our siblings right. for, for, you know, for whatever reason. And, um, and yeah, I, I think it's really, I think it's really crazy. And it's wild because like my commute to school sometimes ranges from like an hour to two hours and then coming back is like the same thing. So I spend about like four hours commuting back and forth from school sometimes. Whereas if I had lived closer to school to the place that I was supposed to transfer to, it would have been like 10 minutes to 20 minutes, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like I had to literally put aside my comfort and my self like care and my time my energy all those aside because i just had to like do what my parents said whereas like my for my brother his commute is like literally five minutes because he lives right next to school and he has he's living with his friends right now but last year he had his like own house basically which is crazy so what kind of things do you hear from your parents when you bring this up to them saying you know, why are things unfair between me and my sibling? You know, what, what what kind of things do you hear? I think one of the biggest things that I used to hear before is like, oh, just wait, your time will come too. Just give it a few more months and then you're like, basically they were saying I'm going to graduate soon and I'm not going to have this pressure anymore. But this is also insinuating that after I don't have to worry about traveling to school anymore, I still have to be at home because... I don't have a reason to leave anymore, you know? And also, they're like, oh, this isn't sexism. This isn't, like, us picking your brother. It's just, like, this is his dorm, you know? He needs to dorm, whereas you don't need to. And, like, I don't know. It's There's just, like, a lot of... I don't even know how to explain it. It's bullshit, honestly. The things that I had to hear. Like, it was just, like, you can leave after you're married. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think that's I think that's a big one, right? Especially for for the girls, is you can do whatever after you're married, like you can live your life after you're married, but like you technically can't because you're married, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's uh it's crazy, but yeah, like that it was literally like the complete opposite for my fam- for my family. Like my sister moved to Atlanta when she was 23, like all by her own. And while I had to be home with, with my mom and shit. And so I made a, a lot of sacrifices in, you know, having to stay home with my mom during times where I really wanted to leave, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, FIT has always been my dream school. It was my ex-girlfriend that, that actually told me about the school. I didn't even know it was a thing, but she knew that I was really into clothing and I was studying business admin at Valencia Community College. So she said that the, or she said FIT had a major called a fashion business management, which is the most popular um, major over there. I heard about it. I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the school and I was so obsessed. You know, I, I planned out all the financials, like all the loans that I had to take there the, on on the street, of the campus. I think the campus is on 7th Ave and on that avenue, there are so many coffee shops that I could have worked at while I was dorming at FIT. Like I, I worked all of this out. And when I went to FIT, I went into the coffee shops and said like, hey, like I'm gonna be here in a couple months, like blah, blah, <laughs> like remember me, I'm gonna apply. Like I went this far because I was so obsessed. Because I was so obsessed with the school. So like what held you back from going there besides your grades? Um, at that time, uh, my dad had just went back to Bangladesh and my sister was... My sister was moving out to Atlanta soon, so it just didn't make sense. Trust me, like, at that time of my life when I was, you know, 19, 20, 21, a lot of the people around me were saying, like, oh, it's it's your life, you know, it's your life first, and oh then my it's God. your parents. Why do people always say that shit, not realizing what that actually means? I completely get what they're saying, right? Like, I understand, I, it's live your life, but it's also, like, you can't just, like, put aside all your duties immediately, right, when it happens, like, you know? It's not that easy. But, you know, that that's the way they say it. And it's not, I'm not even talking about white people. Like, it could just be brown people, you know. I had close brown people saying, like, yo, your your parents are going to do your parents, right? Like, no right. matter if you're home or not, like, they're going to figure things out on their own. And, you know, the, the guilt tripping is something that we can talk so much about. It's oh, like, my God, the guilt and, tripping. You know, I, I heard years and years about that. But at the end of the day, like... I, I'm happy with where my life is now. I'm happy with where my mother and my sister are now. So ultimately, it's okay that I didn't just betray everything at home and just dip and just, you know, not come home for a year or whatever. But I've thought about FIT so many times ever since I was 18. And that's only just one example, right? Like there were so many nights where I was out you know, I was out at like a latte art competition. I was out at like a friend's birthday, but I had to come home because my mom was having a, r- a rough night. She didn't want to be alone. I had to buy her French fries with honey mustard and I had to get them. <laughs> you got to get the hot, I, extra hot Extra hot. Fries. It's called well done. That's what it's called at McDonald's. I had to get that for Sorry. her. You know, I've I've made a lot of sacrifices for my mother and it's unfortunate that like it, it's, it's crazy because I was updating my LinkedIn yesterday, right? And I sent a lot of, you know, what are they called? They're not called friend requests. 
what were they called on LinkedIn? Like, like network connections. Network. That's not what they're called. It's like when you send a request, uh, <laughs> yeah, network connection request. I don't know. Right. I sent a lot of those to um, just like all the people on my suggested list or whatever that that I knew, and I was going through the profiles of some of the kids that I went to high school with, and you know, like some of them were working kind of like moderate jobs, right? And there were some that were working like really good jobs. Like um, this one guy that was kind of in our front group, he lives in, I forgot what city, but he has this really well-established engineering job at this firm. And, you know, he's doing like great things. And I say this all to say, um, you know, I today I work at a great company and I have a great position. But the kind of stuff that I just talked about for the last couple of minutes, I wish that was taken into account in recognizing you know like how far this kid has come because like it's easy to see where everybody is today but like you don't take into account where they started right and so i i wrote a note that like i thought of in my head and i put it on my mirror in my bathroom and it says um uh remember where you started now imagine how far you can go because that's that's something that i follow you know i i feel like i didn't start at the starting line i felt i started much lower than that everybody not everybody but a lot of the people who are doing well today started at that starting line had a little bit of a head start than me and i wish that that was taken more account of without having to say all the things that i just said but yeah i'm i'm happy with how my life is turning out and how things are going you know i've, I've so had do to you think the patience is worth it yeah yeah absolutely i i couldn't have done it you know with without the tattoo honestly the looking down at the tattoo it was just like an everyday reminder not not even every day like an every hour reminder for myself and i think patience is something that my mother has preached to me even though she was the one getting upset really quickly and getting upset about everything and you know being super fast-paced about everything and the guilt tripping and all these kinds of things but what are some like guilt tactics that she used because i'm sure that there's a lot of similar ones that i can relate to. i mean you know i i don't necessarily want to get too in depth with that but i don't think she really did anything like out of the order it was just always like oh like oh you want to leave me alone just i mean just the basic kind of stuff honestly it was just a lot of a lot of like loneliness because i think you know my my mom just truly just didn't want to be alone you know we call it guilt tripping but like i think at the time when they're saying these things we don't really know what's going on in their heads right we're really quick to get upset with that so like when i talk about patience it's more than just you know waiting for the right time it's when i say patience it's you know in those types of scenarios having the patience to understand that what your parents are saying are not necessarily what they're saying right there there's always like a deeper intuitive behind it that you have to have the patience to look into right like have that deeper comprehension of our parents and i think that essence of patience has gotten me to where i am today because i understand my mother much deeper than i did when i was 18 19 and all i thought about was fit yeah i think like us were able to put a definition to that type of thing guilt tripping which we understand what it is but i think to them that's just them expressing how they feel and it's just them feeling scared of being alone because like think about it our parents got married so young right like they were not able to have that emotional intelligence like how we do because we have you know education we have time to explore ourselves we have the independence so we have a little bit more um 
emotional intelligence and we know how to be comfortable with ourselves for the most part. Whereas they don't really have that because they've never experienced it before they got married. Exactly. And after they got married. So, yeah. like Honestly, like before we get deeper into that, I think that could literally be an episode in itself just talking about you know guilt tripping and, and our ways mm-hmm. around it, better ways to understand it, blah, blah, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so like I, I kind of talked for a long time. So, you know, I want to hear some stuff that you feel like you've had to sacrifice, um, things that you've had to wait some more time on for whatever kind of reason it is so like what kind of stuff do you have i think both of us can relate on the fact that we both had to wait a lot to move out Mm -hmm. and that concept alone is kind of taboo in south asian culture like you're not really allowed to just do that unless it's for like school or for work or like if you're married you know it's under the guise of that but it's not actually for that like obviously people say that they're moving for work and school whatever but it's for their own personal freedom, whatever, you know? So I had to wait a long time because, like I said, my brother left for school, so I was the only one in my house with my parents. And I was kind of like the middleman, basically, Mm -hmm. like alleviating all of the tension, alleviating whatever. Like, you know, just being like the, the glue in between two people. And I feel like they associated me leaving with, like, chaos and, like, disaster in the house because I'm not there to, like, pick up the pieces anymore and, like, support them in the way that I have been even though that's not really the case um I feel like I would do that more when I move out um yeah so it was it was hard because like I was alone and my mm-hmm. my brother was like at school and I just didn't want to be restricted that much anymore but again it's like that sexism thing yeah like I ever ever since I started talking to you like I've been getting or I've been understanding that side of things a lot more because Again, like my family was the other way around. So I only knew the way that my family was going. And, you know, I heard all of these things like online about what the typical brown life is like. And I never related to it at all because my family was not like that at all. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it's really interesting to hear all of that. And yeah, it took a long time for, for me to move out. You know, my sister moved out when she was 18 and I moved out right before I turned 23 but you know I had to be the one that stay at home for the last five years until I was able to build up the courage between me and my mother for her to trust me in that me moving out um, on my own would be a good thing for the family um, and, and things have all worked out. It's a huge privilege to not even be able to understand what the other sibling or the other person is going through because yeah. you have you're living the life, you know, you're not even seeing what's happening at home, what's happening behind closed doors because you don't have to deal with it. And they're the ones taking all of the pain and the burden. And it's crazy how much they go through. And me and my sister were on pretty bad terms, you know, for for a long time because while she was gone, I really didn't talk to her because a lot of stuff that was going on at home, I, I felt not necessarily like betrayed, but it, you know, it was hard to talk to her about it because all in all, what what's in the past is in the past. But you're you're completely right. Um, it's a privilege to move out and to not be at home, like taking the blunt of things, and it does mess up relationships. But going back to the patience and and just the comprehension of each other, I think um, yeah, it might temporarily suck, but once you guys get to a place of understanding the strength between the connection is stronger than it ever could have been 
you know, me and my sister have a, have a really strong connection now. And I know that's going to happen between you and your brother once, you know, your brother just grows up a little bit, learns a little bit. I know things are going to be good, but moving out, that's a big one. That is a big one and a lot of sacrifices that we had to make for that. So going back to like what, what we were talking about earlier about white people saying, oh, um, just leave. Like, oh, like your life is yours. How do you feel about that? Right. Like how how do we explain to people about the sacrifices that we're making? And, you know, like to an extent, like, do you feel like they're right? I think now I usually tell people the same advice where I just say, you know, do what's best for you. Your parents will be okay. But this is the only time you have to make these choices because you're just getting older and older. So it is your life. Take your own life into your hands, right? Like I would follow that advice and tell people the same advice. But I think also there's just so many burdens and things behind the scenes that no one can really understand except that person. Like I even remember telling you to like, talk to your mom, move out, like do what's best for you because it's really taking a toll on your mental health and I saw it every single day. But at the end of the day, you are the only person that understands the relationship the relationship between you guys, right? And it is a privilege for like white people to say that to someone because for most white people, they do have the independence. They're allowed to do whatever they want basically because whatever the reason is. But also I think it's very... Um, is based on a lot of factors. Like, you can't just tell that straight up to someone without knowing anything about their background, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I think I kind of phrased it wrong when I brought up the white people. I, I totally understand that, you know, the white people are coming from, like, a place of privilege. But it's a different feeling when, you know, someone close to you or someone who understands what is going on in your family tells you that. You know, that that hits different, right? Like, I have family up in New York who have told me, like, yo, you need some separation, like, you need some distance. And that's coming from a person who truly knows your your standing in your family. And it's like, my, my question was more so directed to, like, that crowd of people. But you pretty much answered it in that, you know, in my experience in moving out, um, distance is, distance solves so many issues that you wouldn't have been able to see when you're at mm-hmm. home, when you're seeing each other every single day every second of the day that distance is is so beautiful and it's so it's so like enlightening and there's no way to see it until you experience it for yourself right like i can't wait for a whole episode on moving on. yeah yeah so i guess i just wanted to say that um if you're someone who is you know scared to put that distance between you and your family by by all means i don't know everybody's lives i don't know what you're going through but I can tell you, coming from a home that had a tarnished relationship between me and my mom because of whatever reasons, that distance is a beautiful thing. And if you go about it the right way, there's no other feeling like it. And it's it's amazing. So we actually got a lot of responses to this prompt. Thank you guys so much for sending in all of the answers that you had. Um, we had like really long replies on some of them. Yeah. And some of them were pretty serious. So yeah, let me just talk about the first one. If you guys aren't if you guys aren't already following us on Instagram, difficultish on Instagram, we um we give little previews of our upcoming episodes all the time make sure to give us that follow. So we actually got a lot of responses about people who want to switch careers, travel the world, or work abroad. 
but they had to stay at home because they had to take care of their parents. Right. Like, for example, someone someone's um, dad had to have hip surgery, so they had to take care of him. Um, someone else had to take care of someone financially. Someone else had to take care of someone because um, they're sick or they're getting older. So, yeah, I think that's very, very common where you have to stay at home with your parents because they're aging and this that's like something that you have to give back to them because that's that's what they, they did for you. And, and it's so hard to like, you know, like you, you think about how, how white people like throw their parents into into what are they called? Just like elderly homes. They're, they're called right. something. Oh, my God. I can't imagine Like uh, retirement homes and stuff. And like I remember I talked about I've talked about this with my mom one day and I was like. Can you believe that? Like, I can't ever imagine being like, yo, mom, sorry. <laughs> you I want to, go. you know, chill in Malibu for a little bit. I want to go over <laughs> here for a little bit. I got to send you <laughs> to this <laughs> random ass retirement home. Y'all got to, you got to learn how to play poker with all these white folks. It's just, it's crazy. Um, but some, some instances I get because like some people have to put their parents in that because they have to be on like 24 seven hour watch and in like facility care and they just can't afford them being at home okay so i get that aspect but everything else i was just trying to be a jokester (laughs) but but yeah you know it's it's so hard in those types of instances to tell that guy or that girl like oh just just go get live your life it's your life first like you know like you you, you can't say that in that situation i think i also think that when it comes to the people who are in those situations since they're not allowed to quote-unquote pursue their dreams the way that they wanted to and the way that you know they aspire to they kind of let it go in general right it's like you hear about that that musician that loves music but you know is everybody tells him to stop and everybody you know is his mom needs his time and and he has to work and he has to make money for his family whatever and and he kind of just lets go of that passion because he sees that he isn't he isn't really given that space to practice it and i feel like that's what happens to a lot of people who have dreams is they kind of let go of it so i think my the only thing i would say to somebody who's in that situation is of course attend to your parents i did that for a long time but at the same time i had lots of dreams and aspirations while i was there attending my parents and the one thing that i never did was let it go right like any second i got in the day it went into you know trying to write something any any minute any free time i had when my mom was at home when my mom was asleep like i i made it work right and and again, this goes back to what I was saying about people starting behind the finish line. Like it's it's just something that that we have to do, right? Like you got to put in that work. We see a lot of people who just get fascinated with the idea of just like overnight celebrities and and overnight sensations, and it's like that's not reality, right? Like reality is putting in that work every single day. Like yeah, I think in that um, position in your life, you kind of end up despising your parents for putting you in that situation because you're like oh my god they're the ones holding me back from this opportunity but like you said it is so hard to practice patience at this time because you feel like it's never ending and you're never going to get to that goal of yours but eventually it does happen yeah and you know you always feel like time is it's fleeting and you're not going to have enough time to do things that you actually want to do but 
you know, most of the time you actually do have that time to actually pursue the things you want to do. You just got to be patient. Someone talked about how they had to give up the arts and um, doing something that they actually love doing because of financial security and applying to colleges and how that just brought more like security in her life and it just yeah. made her parents prouder to be focusing on something that's academic related and yeah that just shows how so many people have to give up what they want to do because they want to make their parents proud but do you do you feel like they have to give it up right like why can't they just do it on the side like when i think you know? i think when you're at that age when you're a teenager and going into college you feel like it's one or the other mm-hmm. you don't really have that much um influence around you who have been doing a lot of things I mean, now there's a little bit more, but um, you always feel like you have to choose one thing. And especially when you're 17, like, you're literally forced to pick one career for the rest of your lives, right? Like, you're supposed to major in one thing. And I guess that's the pressure that you have to face because it's usually STEM that you have to go into. And they don't think that they can pursue something else because they have to go into that one field to make their parents proud. I definitely don't think that you have to just do one thing now. Like, you know, both of us do different things at the same time. But I think in that point, you see no other option and you have to do that one thing to make your parents proud, um, which also means giving up something you actually love. But I actually really resonated with her story because I also had to give up my art to pursue things that my parents wanted me to do. Um, But here we are now. Do you feel like you you stopped with the art? I feel like you just kind of did it low key until you know. No, I stopped for like three years. What what time frame did you stop at? I stopped from after high school graduation okay. to like two years into college. I get that. I think, um, but I do think things are gonna start being a little bit more different because you know everybody's on social media and people understand that you know you can kind of do art for fun and low-key and just post it and eventually hopefully get something you you know you can make a little print design that you sell and you know i i feel like five ten years ago it was much harder to become a artist because you know you didn't have the uh all the assets online and all that kind of stuff so i i, I get what you're saying but um again saying going back to my previous point um if you want to do something, don't give up on it. Maybe slow it down. Find times of the day to practice it. But I, I don't believe in giving up. Like, totally just giving it away. Like, I don't want this anymore kind of thing. I don't believe in that. Do it 1% of the day, a little bit. Find the time for it. And if, again, it, it goes back to patience, right? Like, just just hold it tight and, and hopefully things work out for you. All right, so those were the end of our responses. As we said, we actually got a lot, but we want to keep it minimal, and we tried, you know, squeezing together a few, so you had a little bit more. Um, thank you so much for listening to our episode. I hope you liked it. Mm-hmm. We are difficultish on Instagram. Right. Where else? And if you want, you can also follow us on our individual Instagrams, right. which is Labyrinthav and Mushroom Munir. Munir. Right. I'm very jealous that he got his name, full name, without paying anyone because I don't have <laughs> I'm, that privilege. I'm trying to get Mashnoon. I got Mashnoon on TikTok. That's one. I'm very proud of that. Um, next week, uh, advice, se- advice, advice session <laughs> coming through. Send us some of your whatever this it is I'm you want advice on. I'm not good at giving advice, but I'll try my best. 
But uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, download yeah, our leave us five stars. Yeah, five stars on Apple Music. Download on Spotify. Follow everywhere. Love you guys. Thank you guys. Allah Hafiz.